Hello, everybody. Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about Juneteenth and some exciting plans we have coming up. Juneteenth is a celebration of Black freedom. This year, the Stitch Please podcast will celebrate Juneteenth all month long under the umbrella of creative liberation. Inspired by Alexis Pauline Gums teaching us that freedom isn't a secret, it is a practice, the Stitch Please podcast will celebrate the many ways that Black women, girls, and femmes get free, stay free, and be free. Tune in for the entire month of June for some absolutely amazing episodes that you will not want to miss. See you then. Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork, and I am bringing you actually an all-Virginia episode today because I am in Charlottesville, Virginia, and my guest for the day, Myasia Osprey, is in the, let's see, we call it the, the Norfolk Tidewater region of the state. This is an area of the state that you are an insider versus an outsider if you know how to pronounce the words. So... For okay. some of you all who might learn the word N-O-R-F-O-L-K, <laughs> you might look at that word and say, that word is Norfolk. And if you say right. if you say Norfolk, the people who live there will laugh at you because that is not how you pronounce N-O-R-F-O-L-K. <laughs> it's actually Norfolk. Norfolk is how you say it. Is that right? Am I right, Asia? I say Norfolk. Norfolk. Oh, see, look, I'm wrong, wrong. <laughs> I'm only a little bit right because I live in the central part of Virginia. And in central okay. Virginia, it has only trickled down to be Norfolk. But I'm learning. Right. Never stop learning, friends. Honey, it is Norfolk. I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. But we call this area the 757. Right. And to me, it's Norfolk. Norfolk. So <laughs> welcome, Maesia, from Norfolk, Virginia. Thank you so much. Y'all, we are going to be talking about unapologetically black cross-stitch. And I love unapologetic black shit. That's my favorite type of black stuff. The unapologetic stuff. That's my favorite okay. kind. The unapologetic blackness is my favorite blackness. Let's get started. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. So let's jump right in and talk about how did you get started in the needle arts? Did you begin with cross-stitch or did you start with crochet or yarn or something different? I started with quilting. And like I do most things, I go to YouTube University first, okay. watch it for months, buy my equipment and just jump right in. So I started quilting first. And I was watching videos on quilting and tutorials and busting out these quilt blocks, learned that skill. And then during the pandemic, 
I also had my godson and a uh, great nephew staying over here. So I had two boys in my house. I couldn't be locked in my sewing room, quilting like I love to in my downtime. They're just getting into too much, get into too much stuff. Mm-hmm. Young boys running around the house. So I had to find something that I can do in their presence nice. that would give me a peace of mind and let them do what they were doing. And I came across a, a floss tube. <clears throat> I watched that for a couple months before I even jumped into it. But with those boys running around trying to be locked up, trying to do, get a quilt block done and cut some stuff straight, not happening. So that's how I started with the cross. So tube. tell me about floss tube. You said floss tube. And when you said floss tube, I was thinking about those little tubes of floss with the black band around them and like 79 cents each or something. Yes. That is that what you're talking yes. about? Are you talking about that is. I'm talking about the embroidery floss that you would go into. If you go uh, to the back of a Michaels or or Joann's, there is a huge DMC selection, which is a brand of embroidery floss. And so the YouTube tutorials and YouTube YouTube influencers who talk about cross-stitch, they are called floss tubers. And the act of watching those things are called floss tubes. That's how I learned. I love floss tube. I just, I don't know why I am so tickled by that. It's a floss tube, and I'm going to watch floss tubers. It's like, right. what? Watching, watching people so do, use dental floss? That's weird. No, no. Embroidery floss. You know what else? Embroidery floss. You know, I love this vocabulary. I love learning new things. So thank you. Another thing that you all do that I know knitters do, I don't know if this is true in the cross-stitch community, but they call it frogging. They call it frogging. And it's they call it frogging. Because you have to rip it, rip it, rip it, rip out. It's so cute. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Calling it frogging is much better than even we call it sometimes unsewing, which sounds just okay. about as fun as it, that word sounds. Uh, not at all. But <laughs> frogging, it sounds really, okay, not too bad. Isn't it cute? It's really cute. And I'm a sucker for cute things, so. It's a really cute term, and I frog a lot. I sometimes frog more than I care to admit and more than I yeah. actually care to do. I really <laughs> am just like, sometimes I just stitch a seam, and I'm like, you know what? That's good enough, shit. That's enough. Okay. That's enough. Look, I'm trying to elevate to the good enough, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to elevate to the good enough, and I think being so serious about that my back's being neat is the reason why I will rip something yeah, out. Of course, of course. Yeah, I want to talk about the portability of cross-stitch because it does seem mm-hmm. to be a very big leap to go from machine quilting to yeah. handwork of any kind. And cross-stitch <laughs> particularly because yeah. of the precision and because of all that it requires. But when you said you had two little boys in the house, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember those days. Okay. I, my boys are old now, <laughs> 17 and 22. and But there was a time when I could not close the door. Or I would close it and they would pop right up or they would be sitting next to me. I have things in my sewing room right now that have cuts in them and uh, permanent gouges from a child (laughs) sitting right next to my feet managing to cut the carpet with scissors. I I was like, oh, no, I paid attention. Or, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this sharp thing mama has and poke holes in in the ironing board cover because why would I not? So you can watch the boys. And be yeah. in their presence. And that's one of, the, one of the things I really love about what you described for us is that you can do cross-stitch in a way that is organic and in line with your life. 
that you don't have that is to what I love about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, say more about that. That's I would just I love, love to hear it. more about that because for me, I have gotten to this place now because my kids are older and they just don't need the kind of supervision that they used to. They say they don't need any at all, but <laughs> which I agree for the most part. But I can shut the door and have like hours to just stare at nothing but the sewing machine needle. And that's all that I'm thinking about. And that's a real privilege. I know when my folks were little, it was not that way. So tell me about how bringing cross stitch to your home space in a way that let you love and support your family as well as your own mental wellness. My great nephew being down for the entire summer. My godson was with was with him. He, it was just great for them to be there. We were at the beach almost every day because I live in Buckrow Beach. We would walk down to the beach almost every day. We would come back. We'd have lunches. And my husband would play Legos with the children oh. um, at the kitchen table. So while I started my first cross-stitch project ever at the kitchen table while they were doing Legos. So I could be a part of it and show them that my presence is important in in whatever that they're doing, but still have my own thing going on. And that was why it was important. It is a big leap to go from quilting to cross-stitch. I felt that cross-stitch was a cheap startup craft. Yes. All you have to buy are $3 needles. Choose your preference of a hoop or, or some type of device. Some people stitch in hand. So you got to choose a method. You maybe need some. I started out with some Dollar Tree snips. I just upgraded last week. Okay. okay. okay sis. Get, your, <laughs> some, uh, get your snip upgrade. Okay. Some Dollar Tree snips. Listen, y'all. She's doing the snip flex. This is what's known as the snip flex. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started out with them Dollar Tree joints, but um, okay. I, am, I have now <laughs> upgraded. <laughs> To $13 exactly snips. So the snips that okay. cost money. <laughs> I started out with some snips and the floss in the and a free pattern, and I was on my way with quilting. I was getting the fat quarter bundles. So when you named your episode a fat quarter episode, yes. I love it because I love fat quarters. I would I would buy bundles. I think my initial investment just on rulers, Ooh, um, all types of ru- <laughs> rulers, quality fabric scissors. I upgraded from a brother machine to a Bernina machine. Yes, it was just yes. all the cutters, all the stuff that oh, you need. The marking it tools. A lot of money the to mark- get that off. Yes, yes. It's I I agree. <laughs> and you call it like a cheap startup, but I would call it a low barrier, a low access it, it barrier. Really, Quilting has a high access, right? Because if depending on how you want to do, which is so interesting because when you think about how quilting started in the U.S. as Mm -hmm. um, a practice of necessity in addition to a practice Mm -hmm. of art, folks wouldn't buy bolts of fabric just for a quilt. Mm -mm. You use the fabric you Mm -hmm. had that you were making everything else out of. And so by turning it into an industry, I think a lot of the the technological innovations seem to put us at a distance from some of the origins of the practice and so it really does Mm -hmm. and it it can be overwhelming and i also have a couple of chronic health issues and one of them is endometriosis and it causes some chronic fatigue some chronic pain Mm. and to be sitting or standing when i'm cutting or have to be locked into a position to sew it would wear a lot on my body during whatever phase so cross-stitching, the fact that I can take it anywhere, I can cross-stitch in bed, I can be on the beach, I can be on the porch, Yes. 
I could be anywhere and do that. That's, and then that's why I started doing it more than I. Yes. So, yes. It was just awesome to have that access. And then the peace of mind of it is very therapeutic. My favorite process when I quilt is the cutting of the pieces before I piece them together and then the chain stitching for the quilt blocks. Yes, yes. Where I'll bust out like 12 quilt blocks at a time because I'm just doing these steps over and over. The repetitive motion can be so soothing, yeah. It is so soothing. I love that. It's like, oh, here goes 144 half square triangles. (laughs) I feel like I've really done something with my life today. You, when you bust them things out and then you press them, oh my so gosh, satisfying. it's depressing for me. It's depressing it for me. And now you got a new okay. clapper. I saw that you got that new clapper from that from the resale shop that had all the craft supplies. I was like, oh, she's on her Ooh-wee. way. Those work great on quilt blocks, by the way. Oh my gosh, especially on things like log cabin. Oh my word. And let me tell you something. It's depressing for me, but with cross stitch, just the motion by itself is repetitive. And as long as I'm paying attention to my chart, I'm okay. Yes. So it's very soothing and calming. I tend to do several things when I'm cross-stitching. Either I'm mission-minded and I'm just trying to bust this thing out um, at a certain time. Either I'm praying or I'm watching some old show. Yes. Yes, that, that, and, the, and this, the meditative practice of it, that you can, like you said, be mission-minded and focus exclusively on getting the block mm-hmm. complete and your attention is completely diverted and attached to this process. Or yeah. it can be something that you do alongside the kids. And I love that. And because I, I took some notes about when you said you first started doing it by sitting next to the boys while they were doing Legos. So it's like your husband, mm-hmm. the boys, Lego instructions, your cross-stitch instructions. <laughs> and I, yeah. I absolutely love the image that creates. Because for me, what I've learned about cross-stitch or what I'm learning from you is that th- mm-hmm. there are similar processes. I mean, I've, I've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time and a lot of money on Lego sets. Both my boys were lo- obsessed with them and one was super obsessed that this baby learned how to find vintage sets on eBay. But you, but, but it's also very intuitive, right? Because that's the yeah. reason, that's one of the reasons I think and the language barrier that the Lego instructions are so notoriously, I guess some would say easy, but they communicate mm-hmm. well because they don't use words. The youngest child can follow yes. along and build something beautiful. And then I was thinking about you and looking at the cross-stitch chart and you too are building something beautiful. You too are making something that's sustaining. And so I really love that story of how your cross-stitch was grounded in family. And that kind of fueled your transition from machine quilting to cross-stitch. Let me ask about the patterns because as I I, I mentioned earlier, y'all were talking a bit beforehand and I was telling her that I do have a PhD in English but I do not have a okay. but I do not have a PhD in knitting pattern or crochet pattern <laughs> or cross stitch pattern, which I think okay. must be a separate degree program because whenever <laughs> I look at these things, a knitting pattern, a crochet pattern, my eyes cross, my heart sinks, and I feel like back in high school when they give you the math problem that says there are two trains leaving the station Ooh. at 1230 and one is traveling this miles per hour and one is traveling that miles per hour. And I always hated those questions because who knew what kind of delays might happen to those trains? 
You don't know. Okay, I'm not trying to think the about it. The weather could be bad. There could be a cow on the tracks. <laughs> no one thought of that. And I was like, look, there's no way to answer this question. So it's not a cow on a track. Sometimes cows get on train tracks. That happens. That's a thing. That can delay you are trains. Too funny. It's the truth. But the, so, but you know, the the dot the. So how do you make the, sense of the? So how do you make sense of these patterns? Like, how have you been able to adapt? to them and I mean maybe you didn't adapt maybe you're like I just know how to read and I pay attention to instructions unlike some people who have a podcast and, and I'm talking to right now look I didn't have any experience in reading the clock stitch patterns however I think for me it's about where you start in the pattern some people will start at the very corner top left corner and some people start directly in the center of the pattern so on a pattern, there are these black tri. I'm looking at one just so I can get my stitch together. Thank you. So you have your, <laughs> you have these black triangle indicators across the top of the grid. A chart is broken up into these tiny little squares, and these squares are broken up into grids. And every ten uh, squares is marked by ten. A pattern design can be 151 stitches by 132 high, so wide and high. So then the tens are marked on the, the top and the sides, and then the black triangles usually match up to the very center of the piece. And I always start in the center of the work. So that's going to be my first stitch. That's how simple that is. And then, because I wear, I already have four eyes, I also have these magnifiers that I clip on my glasses and I look like a, a different world's Dwayne yes, Wade yes. with the flip up and I the flip down. I remember him, of course, yes. <laughs> I've been wondering, I like, those. why they have binoculars on their regular glasses? That's what I wanted to know. And I'm like, watch, I need to stop playing because I'm going to end up like this in well, real life. You're going to, and, and let me tell you something. I love my flip up. They just attach to your glasses. And I, I walk all around the house with them. I forget that they're on because you need them sometimes to look at the, sometimes your stitch fabric has very small squares that you stitch in and you need to see that. Or sometimes the pattern itself will make you cross-eyed. That feeling of you being cross-eyed yes. is a real feeling. <laughs> I like to zoom in. I'll take a photo of it with my phone. You're not allowed to distribute that. I just want to give a disclaimer. Yes, yes, okay? of course, of course. You do not copy work. Like, that's like piracy. Like, okay. That's like copying and sharing patterns right. people have worked on. So when you're, right. So when you are working on a piece, you're not supposed to show anyone's chart because that is their work. You're not supposed to share it unless you bought it. But I take a picture of the section I'm working on and print that out eight by 10 size. So now I'm not cross-eyed because what I'm not about oh, to do yeah. is need a stronger prescription because I'm cross-eyed from looking at these little squares. I'm not going to do it. So I, I magnify my whole piece <laughs> so that I can read the chart and only use my magnifiers for looking at, for counting my squares and what I'm, where I'm putting my stitches down. Yes. So I, I love that. That's a great hack, I think, because it does make yeah. it, again, if cross-stitch is something that's so wonderful because it's accessible, <laughs> because it's, it has a yes. low cost, the low cost, right, a barrier, yep. you can do it anywhere. 
You just don't want to wreck your eyes. And there's tools okay. available to help you do this without straining yes. your vision too much. And I had glasses since the fifth grade. Same. I do not need any more strain. Okay. No you. more strain. I'm going to, okay. I'm, I'm trying to wait until the future when they start selling eyeballs in vending machines. And then I'm going to buy some new eyeballs. That is my, that's my hope. My hope is that one day I'll be able to buy 3D printed eyeballs from a vending machine. That's, and that's, and that's going to, I'll be able to like just pop them in my eyes through some quick technology. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's a total possibility. We are going to take a quick break. Listen, those magnifiers help. I know they would totally help me. I need them just to see regular stuff. So y'all, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue this fantastic conversation with Maisha. She is a wonderful cross-stitcher. We're going to dive into the unapologetic blackness of her cross-stitch after this break. So stay tuned. Black Women Stitch and the Stitch Please podcast are happy to announce that we have another way to connect with our community. In addition to the IG Lives that we do every Thursday at 3 p.m., we also now have a club on Clubhouse. That's right, friends. They done messed up and given me the chance to have a club. Follow Black Women Stitch on Instagram and now on Clubhouse Thursdays at 3 p.m. on Instagram and 3.45 p.m. on Clubhouse Eastern Standard Time. And we'll help you get your stitch together. Welcome back. I am having this delightful conversation with Miasia Osbury. And Miasia is a fantastic cross-stitcher from the 757 uh, and in Virginia, if you didn't know. And okay. we are talking today about unapologetic black cross stitch. Now, okay. I wanted to, I really wanted to hear more about this. And because, and I'm going to do this by sharing my own generalized, stereotyped thinking about cross stitch. When I go to Michael's or to Joann's, the cross stitch stuff is all the way in the back in the section that I would never go to because I go to buy clothes. I, I go to buy apparel, apparel things, notions. Uh -huh. I buy scrapbook paper. Uh -huh. I do cake decorating. So I'm all in the front of the store. I do like home deck stuff where I make pillows and curtains. Mm -hmm. And so I'm over there. But that section over there with the yarn and the flosses and these little hooks and tools and hoops and stuff, I rarely go over there. And when I do go over there, some of the patterns I see, like kittens playing checkers <laughs> or some precious moments figurine, it all feels very white. And I'm like, I am not interested in spending the many hours making any of these designs. Like, okay. not one would appeal to me. So tell me about what it means to be a black cross stitcher when, at least to my untrained eye, it mm -hmm. seems like a very white thing not that white people own it and control it it's mm -hmm. that it's that when you look at the patterns that are available they are very white looking like appealing to moments in white lives or quote-unquote neutral subjects about these pastoral landscapes not that anybody can't enjoy a pastoral landscape but i'm just <laughs> saying it just seems really a certain type of although it has a low barrier to access it feels yes. really clickish and just say more about your experience in this stitching community okay well when you go into a michael's or joanne's the floss the needles the snips are there 
And usually you find these charts and patterns online. You go to Etsy, you follow a nice floss tuber or a company that sells exclusive flock cross stitch patterns, or you just go to a cross stitch shop. There are such things called local cross stitch shops. Oh yes, we um, have one. Yes, we yes. have one. And it doesn't matter how nice the folks are in the cross stitch shop, how lovely the ladies are, they are usually white. And when you go into the cross stitch shop, there's all of these beautiful racks and racks of, of patterns and charts and notions and needles. And on the walls, are finished, fully finished objects, FFOs. That's another vocabulary term for you, Lisa. Oh, um, like, like a UFO, but actually done. <laughs> I got a lot yes. of UFOs. I know okay. all about the UFOs, the FFOs. The what, FFOs what? are fully finished objects. And so they have these Show beautifully, off. <laughs> they have these beautifully framed, finished cross each pieces of the patterns they offer in the shop. So that you, you can actually look at what it's put was supposed to look like and majority of these finished uh pieces are there are seasonal things right holidays christmas easter halloween fall harvest pumpkin spice and there are i bet there are a lot of scriptures as well (laughs) give us this day and i think there's a there's a section of some religious cross stitches but most of the cross stitches on the wall that are beautifully displayed are cross stitch samplers and patriotic pieces there's no way i'm going to stitch the grand old flag 1776 or stitch cross stitch sampler that has a white moment white woman's name Mm. it always cross stitch samplers feature certain things a white woman made it or a white child made it who was learning to to read and a sampler has the alphabets and the numbers yes okay and it usually features a stately home which was usually a plantation yes with agricultural elements right on a plantation and there's no way i'm going to stitch that None of that resonates with me. When I think about what my people was in 1776, okay, stitching a grand old flag, honey, is not something I'm trying to do. Not at all. Unless I have something to say. We'll get to that later. However, I (laughs) I remember telling the ladies in the cross-stitch shop that I can't stitch this. (laughs) They were so sweet because I told them that it doesn't reflect me or my family. And I really wanted to stitch to give honor to uh, my family, to create some legacy and to create some handmade things to pass down to my future children. Yes. And so if I'm going to do that, I'm not stitching about half of those items in that shop. And my local CrossFit shop knows that. <laughs> they know that, they accept that. And they helped me pick out things I would like. Now, I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite holiday. I'm going to stitch Christmas things. I I stitch some Mm -hmm. generic Christmas ornaments. I love fall and harvest, but I've never eaten a pumpkin pie in life. Right. Around here, we eat yams and we, we, sweet we potato make sweet pie. potato pies, child. Sweet potato pie is the, so, only, the only root vegetable pie we recognize. Okay. That pumpkin, pumpkin, why? <laughs> I, I've never eaten a pumpkin pie in life and nothing against pumpkin pie lovers. And, I and, have and, all and... <laughs> things against pumpkin pie and pumpkin pie lovers. I will fight you. <laughs> Look, Imagine this now as a fight. 
Okay, one of my favorite black comedians, Kev on stage. He is. I remember Kev on stage. I remember. Okay, I remember Kev on stage. I know him. I guess, I and I told him. I was like, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Just disappointed in you. Okay. So I made my own fall piece called Yam. It's Yam season. Because oh, yeah. guess what? I'm not about to stitch no pumpkin. And when I did stitch a pumpkin, <laughs> it I adapted a. It was called Thanks Be to God. And it yes. was a pumpkin sampler. And I, I just put, one. thanks be to God, Black Lives What's Matter. Yes, and so if I I'm going to stitch something that's generic and seasonal, which are the things that I don't have to go and design, I can just pick these charts up out the local shop. I'm going to adapt it in some way. So I charted that using the style lettering that the chart had already had, put it in my program and stitched it. And so the designing element came in the being unapologetically black part came in was when you learn a craft or a skill, you learn from who's ever going to teach it. There are tons of white floss tubers. And that's who I learned from. I learned to quilt from a white quilter. I learned to stitch from white stitchers. And you learn, you want to, I watched these videos, hours and hours of YouTube videos for months before I even made a first stitch. Because I knew that when I stitch, I just I already know. I just have to do it. So after watching these videos for months and looking at these patterns, farm themed, farm life themed, these vintage themes, these patriotic themes, the seasonal themes, none of that resonates with me. None of it does. My family right. grew up on a farm, but I didn't. And none of these things are really saying anything either. I'm going to spend... 40 hours on a piece wow. and it doesn't say anything other than yes. these motifs that have nothing to do with me. And then if there's people in the chart, white, and now you got to yes. convert the floss, find the floss that matches thin tone that you're trying to go to. I'm not trying to convert everything. Some things don't convert. Right. And it's, you don't right. want to make little black pilgrim people either. Okay. Right. Like Cause those were no black pilgrims. <laughs> like, Let's let's not <laughs> let's not rewrite history, shall we? And let's not. The thing that I find great about what you're saying is that when you go into a cross stitch shop and you're mm -hmm. browsing and you're looking at the different charts, mm -hmm. something that you're not seeing is the legacy of your black life mm -hmm. or the black lives in this country being reflected in those materials. There's and nothing. So there's nothing that, from our culture there. I, like I said, if there. If pumpkin spice can be a national campaign, pumpkin spice uh, lattes with Starbucks, pumpkin spice shirts and merchandise, ain't yes. nothing got nothing to do with yams or sweet potatoes. Ever. Right. <laughs> so and even I'm, the pumpkin spice latte actually has nothing to do with pumpkin. It's just how they season things. It's, it's just, just and the idea like you have to like <laughs> like someone has to put together a mix for pumpkins. Like really, just it's really cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, ginger. That's what it is. Like, Literally. Just, it's okay. It's okay. That's, that's how seasoning works. Okay. <laughs> it's the same profile. And what I was interested in, though, is I really appreciate you being concerned with legacy mm -hmm. and that because what you are walking into when you walk mm -hmm. into a shop you're not just walking into a space to buy patterns and mm -hmm. floss you are also walking into a story you are bringing your story 
as a black cross stitcher to the larger story of commercial cross stitch patterns mm -hmm. and how things are quote unquote meant to go in that particular modality. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's wonderful that you have a cross stitch shop that's local where the mm -hmm. ladies, they know you and they get it and all that. Mm -hmm. But have you noticed more black cross stitch patterns coming out or do you still feel like if you want something that's going to be particular to you you have to chart it yourself oh you definitely have to chart it yourself I think you have to move from the space of saying there's nothing here for us well that's obvious when you go into a shop or when you go into an online shop or a Etsy is great, is a great find for black patterns. And I'm not saying that there were never any black patterns created before. There's a series of black patterns that was gifted to me by the Green Apple Co. called Southern Roots. And they were cross-stitch patterns created by white women of black people. So there are some vintage cross-stitch patterns out there. There are black cross-stitch patterns out there. You need to one, look. But two, to reflect the things that are going on and our country and what matters to us right now, there's not a lot. There's there's more coming out. The the primitive hair came out with a beautiful cross stitch of Harriet Tubman. There are some charts, there's so much progress in it, but to make it personal to me, like I said, if I'm gonna spend 40 hours, 20 hours, 10 hours stitching something, it's gonna be personal to me and I need to chart that. The idea of legacy, my dad died when I was 12. I think I have one item that he gave me when I was about seven or eight, and I have one photo and a copy of his obituary. That's all I have. And my mom, my grandmother died when she was 38 years old and my mom was 17 years old. So to be right. able to have these things, to have something that someone made for you, someone took the time to write you a birthday card. Those are the things I keep. Those are the things that have yes. been important to me since 12. When you find out what it feels like to lose a parent in your life, I think those things become important to you almost immediately for at least yes. for me. Yes. And so, um, creating things, I have this cross stitch pattern that I'm going to adapt, creating a family tree in my favorite colors. So it can be framed in, in the centerpiece of my decor, in my home, Things like that are important to me. So either you chart it yourself and just create what you want to see. Create what you want to see. I think mm -hmm. that is just such a powerful statement and a powerful lesson because that's what black folks have almost always done mm -hmm. because things were not provided for us. Mm -hmm. And so if we wanted something, we had to build it. As well as, like like they say, be the change you want to see, which sometimes I feel like that's really a hard burden to put on people. <laughs> but we do it. I, I try to do it. And I know you are doing it. And this notion that you are giving the lie to this mm -hmm. idea that this is an exclusive thing just for white women from the 19th century. And so I'm thinking about the piece that you posted this is not a quiz, but um, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the piece you posted. I'm trying to think about how far back it, it was. There's two things. Maybe it's close to January, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. two I'm things looking at my Instagram now. Okay, there's, there's two beautiful things in this image. One is your needle minder with the black woman in profile. I call mm -hmm. it a needle minder. I think it must be a magnetic thing that you keep your needle on. Yes, And then yes, it you is. are stitching the sampler of a black girl from Norfolk from Ooh. 1850 that yes. you are cross-stitching this sampler 
that okay. a 12 year old black girl mm-hmm. from Norfolk or Let's Norfolk. Talk about it. Did, nah, I would love to hear about this. <laughs> How did you find this pattern? And because it feels like you are stitching the exact same letters that she stitched. And oh, it seems to me that there's chills. something powerful for you in this mm. creation. It gives me chills. So my local cross-stitch shop, Dying to Stitch, the owner of that cross-stitch shop also has a reproduction company where they reproduce the original works of cross-stitch. They're called R&R Reproductions. Held in the Norfolk Historical Society was a cross-stitch sampler created by Melissa A. Smith. She was 12 in the year 1850, and she was from Norfolk, Virginia. I'm going to say it your way for a minute. For, from <laughs> Norfolk, Virginia. Try to be proper there. They reproduced this. So they created the chart based on the stitches that was held at this historical society. They had permission to recreate this chart. And when I told Miss Anna about my feelings about samplers and why I would not stitch them, she gifted me this. She said, I have just mm-hmm. the thing for you. And she handed it up to me off the rack and explained that this is a reproduction of uh, a piece that this black girl named Melissa did in the year 1850. I was so touched that she would give this piece to me, but I was eager to start this piece and I have not finished it yet. But the first time I started it, I I did get chills because she's 12 and the fact that she is stitching, things like stitching and sewing skills were important for black girls to know if they were going to help out in a household. And so the fact that she could do this and was doing this and was learning her letters. It was just so important. There's some type of candelabra up here. So maybe that was a piece or something that she was working with, or perhaps I don't know her life. There's not much in the sampler about her life other than where she was from. However, it was just such a powerful piece to cross stitch a sampler created by a black girl from Norfolk and that it was just so touching to do. I'm still honored to work on it. Every time I work on it, I reflect on that. And it just seems like such a beautiful communication because Mm -hmm. what this teaches us, if we are to look at it from a historical perspective, it's like you said, Mm -hmm. she had access to literacy, Mm. which was something that black folks were by law, at least enslaved black folks were forbidden to have, Mm -hmm. weren't Mm -hmm. forbidden to learn letters or numbers or to gain access to written language. And here Mm -hmm. she is stitching it. So she's improving her stitching skills as well Mm -hmm. as gaining literacy skills. Mm -hmm. And also, you imagine for a child who was born in 1838 to be Mm. 12 in in 1850 would live to see freedom. Mm. And those same skills could be useful for her beginning her own life on her own terms. Wow. And she was enslaved. And so that is such a beautiful thing that you, and, and you made me think of all of this when I looked at that cross stitch. And so oh. you are preserving this legacy and I am grateful for it. And um, I can't wait to have it finished and framed in my house. These are the stories that when my great nephew or my godson or my future children, when they look on these walls, they will have that sense of they can get that sense of pride and reflection as a constant reminder. So that is something that I I strive to do. I 
This has been such a delightful conversation, and I believe you strive to do it, and you are achieving it. Now, tell us if you wanted to give us one tip about how we could get started. Say someone's been listening to the episode, and they're like, okay, Eureka, I am now going to be on the cross-stitch train. How will someone get started? I say that you get started by picking a pattern that you love. If you do not love it, you are not going to want to dedicate that time. So start with a pattern that you love and something and on a lower count fabric. So um, this is some more vocabulary terms. Cross-stitch fabric can be Ada, which already has the holes, grid-like holes on this piece of fabric. You can stitch on linen and even weave. And even weave just means that all the, the fibers in that fabric are evenly spaced. And linen, as the fibers in that fabric are not evenly spaced. And when I say lower count, the first cross stitch I did was on a 10 count. It is kind of like stitching on burlap. You can literally see the light through the holes when you hold up your fabric. And I started on 10 count with a size 24 needle, which that needle is huge. And I'm taking your word for all of this. Okay. Continue. (laughs) I started on 10 count. I started on something small. I just wanted to to get the muscle memory down. And then when I found something I loved, I moved up to from 10 count to 14 count, which the holes are a little bit smaller, but not that much. And just stitch. Just do it. Pick something you love and just do it. Pick something you love and just do it. Isn't that like a yes. model for life? Let's have okay. that be our life model. Goodness. <laughs> Miasia, this has been fantastic. Now tell folks where they can find you on the socials as well as your upcoming uh, workshop presentation. Okay, you can find me on Instagram, Stitching in Color. Stitching, what is it called? (laughs) I forget what it's called. It's like the dash, but it's low. (laughs) Help me out, Lisa. Dang it. Underscore. Underscore. (laughs) Girl, I was like, what is she talking about, Willis? Like, honestly, apostrophes, M dashes. I could not get down on the ground with that that punctuation mark. Oh, my gosh. Stitching underscore in underscore color. You can find me on Instagram. It's where I post all of my black and stitchy things. I will be speaking the Woodlawn and Pope Leahy House Needleworks show May 27th, starting at 12 noon. 1 p.m. and the presentation is called Occupying White Spaces, Stitching in Color and I will be talking about my adventures in cross-stitching and being unapologetically Black while doing so for that hour. It is a free event open to the public. Please register to hear me out. And y'all, I am going to put the link to this event in our show notes because that's, this event is tomorrow. So tomorrow she's going to be speaking and you'll be able to listen to her and interact with her and find out more information about her beautiful method and her amazing work. Thank you so much, Miasia, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you're doing. I love Black Woman Stitch and Stitch Please. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast. 
the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcast directories or services allow for reviews, but for those who do, for those that have a star rating or just ask for a few comments, if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the Stitch Please podcast, that is incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together.